Good morning, everyone. Good to have you here today. Please, uh, if you haven't started praying, uh, please start praying that God will help us find new facilities. Uh, the service this morning was uh, was very full, and again, we are, I think we've got all our chairs out. We really need you to start praying. So on that note, we begin a whole new series on prayer, and it's the Lord's Prayer. Some of you are familiar with it. Some of you call it uh, the Our Father it's, a, it's called that, or the paternoster. Sometimes you maybe have heard of it that way. But what we're, what we're looking at is just some simple instruction given by Jesus Christ to his disciples to show them how to pray. Now, in my Christian experience, prayer has been one of the most exhilarating experiences, but it has also been one of the most frustrating experiences for me. In Bible college, uh, I, I uh, was... I love to read biographies of famous Christian men and women, uh, and, and, and continue, continue to this day. And the thing that I've discovered about all these people that I've read about, great godly Christian men and women, is that they've all got one thing in common, and that is that they all were people of prayer. They all knew how to pray. They all had great prayer lives. And I discovered that if I was going to grow spiritually, if I was going to actually be able to accomplish anything for God, listen to this. If I'm going to be a good husband, if I'm going to be a good father, if I'm going to be a good pastor, then I need to know how to pray to get God to help me the way that I need his help. Now, here's my problem. And I think probably most people here could, uh, you know, agree that, yeah, that's their problem too. And that is that I get easily distracted. Anybody like that? It's kind of that, thank you, Matt, that kind of that ADHD you know, you get down to pray, and you think, you know, I'm going to really meet with God today. And you start thinking about a hundred other things. You think to yourself, hmm, what's that hum? I better close the door so I'm not distracted by the hum. And you get up from off your knees where you're about to really pray, and you close the door, and then get down to pray again. Oh, the blinds open, I've got to adjust that, and the music's too loud, I've got to turn the music down, and so on and so forth. There's a fly in the room, I've got to kill that before I pray. And next thing you know, you run out of time, you've got to get on with your day. Prayer can be so frustrating because the fact of the matter is, is it's hard to talk to somebody who is not there, doesn't seem to be there. He's not physically visible, and he's not answering back as you pray, as you pray. and so you wonder, man, God, are you serious? You really, really want me to pray? Look, the disciples had exactly the same sort of struggle that you and I have. In fact, we find the disciples going to Jesus, uh, who uh, was, was praying at the time. And, and look what it says here uh, in Luke 11, verse 1. Once when Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished praying, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so these disciples, they, they see Jesus every now and again, just all of a sudden just take up and, and, and leave and go somewhere else. And, and they like, where is he going? We're, you know, he's supposed to be leading us, but now he just seems to disappear. He keeps disappearing. What's going on? And they find him. Every time they find him, he's praying. So finally they say, Jesus, we want to learn how to do this. Could you teach us how to do this? Well, in 1987, four years after I graduated from Bible college, Someone gave me a book written by a pastor by the name of Larry Lee. And uh, Larry Lee wrote this book called Could You Not Tarry for One Hour? 
So I, want, I just want to read to you just a, a paragraph off the flyleaf of that book. Listen to this, and, and I think you could relate to it. Most people don't ever, don't ever enjoy praying. Knowing the necessity and the value of prayer isn't necessarily enough to make it a pleasant task. This best-selling book can show you how to make the time you spend with God each day a delightful one, transforming your prayer life from drudgery to delight. So let me ask you this question today. Would you say that your prayer life was a drudgery or was it a delight? Is it a chore or does it come easy? Do you find yourself when you're praying thinking, man, I hope I covered all the bases. Did I remember to pray for everybody? Am I missing something? So I always, always feel like something's missing. And have I, have I confessed enough sin? Have I asked God to forgive enough of my sins? You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and have I, did I remember to ask for everything that I need? Did, did I remember to ask for that money that I need? Did I remember to pray for my kids? And did I remember to pray for enough things for my kids? So what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 6 and also recorded in chapter 11 of Luke is he gives us an outline for prayer. We call this the Lord's Prayer. It's a simple guideline. It's, if you will, it's the skeleton of a prayer where you and I put the flesh on the bones of that prayer. And so here's what we want, we want to do over the next six weeks is we want to take a look at the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer. And you're going to see this morning just how critical it is that we learn to pray like this. Now, before we talk about the prayer, the first thing that we have to do is we have to understand our relationship with God. And we always say here at Cross Church that life is about relationships. That's what it's all about. Our relationship with God, the vertical, and our relationship with one another, the horizontal. You didn't know it was Catholic, did you, Adeline? So that's your vertical and your your horizontal relationship. So here's what the Bible says in Jeremiah 31, verse 3. God says, I loved you with an everlasting love. You and I were created, listen to this, you and I were created for relationship with God. That was God's purpose in creating you. So Matt, when you were born, you were born because God wanted you to be born, because God wanted to have relationship with you. And with you too, Leonard. And with me. And with, with all of us. You were, you were born into this world because God wanted relationship with you. I love the way that the Apostle Paul speaks of this to the Christians in Ephesus. Listen to this from the Good News Translation, Ephesians 1, 4-5. Listen, even before the world was made, God had already chosen us to be his through our union with Christ because of his love. God had already decided that through Jesus Christ, he would make us his children This was God's pleasure. Listen to this. This was God's pleasure and purpose. God's pleasure, the thing that brings joy to the heart of God, the thing that makes God laugh, the thing that makes God smile, the thing that makes God chuckle, is his relationship with us. This is what brings him pleasure. And this was his purpose. I'm going to create you, Hannah. I'm going to create you, Don, for relationship with me is what God says. It's incredible. Now listen to this. In 1647 AD, some theologians got together, and they wanted to answer some questions. And what they did is they took the Scripture, and they sort of, it's, we call it a systematic approach to the Scripture. They wanted to boil it down and, and, and answer questions. And here's the question that they answered. The, the, the first question they asked, answered was this. 
What is the chief purpose of man? What is your purpose, Jared? What is your purpose, Aaron? I'll tell you. It's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's why you were created. So listen, look, watch this. God's great pleasure and God's great purpose in creating us is to have relationship with him. And your purpose and my purpose is to enjoy him. You see how this works? God gets pleasure from our relationship with him, and we get, get great pleasure from our relationship with him. The question is this today. Are you enjoying God? Are you getting pleasure from your relationship with God? Is this the thing that keeps you going from day to day, from week to week, month to month? Because God wants to have relationship with you. And when we look at the Lord's Prayer, folks, we see enshrined in the very first verse of that great prayer a declaration of God's relationship with, with us. I'm going to say this. If you don't get this, Christianity is not going to make any sense to you at all. It'll just be a religion. A religion where, you know, you come to church and you, you go through the whatever you do and you sing the songs and you raise your hands, give a few bucks in the offering plate. You know, it's be kind to God day, right? And just kind of do a few nice things for God and then you go home and you forget all about him. That's what Christianity is for so many people, for millions of people around the world. Across church, we teach you this. Christianity is a celebration of those who have relationship with Almighty God. And that's what God wants. Now, here's the thing that you and I need to understand. The only way that you and I can have a relationship with God, ready for this, is through communication. We need to communicate with God, and God needs to communicate with us. Some of you have been to me for, uh, for premarital counseling, for marriage counseling. Some of you have taken up the, the marriage challenge. You've come to me for a checkup. How many know that it's important to go to the doctor for a checkup to see if, if you've got a pulse or not? You know what I'm talking about? Find out whether your heart's working, make sure your blood's in good shape. Likewise, you need to go see a pastor. You need to go see a counselor. You need to see a coach, somebody, to make sure that your marriage has a pulse. And here's what I can guarantee you. Most, most men think, yeah, we're together. We're happy. She's still making me food, so therefore we got a good marriage. Right? She's still washing my clothes and picking up my gitch off the floor, so <laughs> she never heard that in church before. Uh, so, so, I mean, really, everything's good. But then you ask her, and she'll say, it's... it's we're almost on the edge. I'm almost on the edge of just packing it in. I can't stand it anymore. What's going on? There's no relationship. There's no relationship because there's no communication. Now, I'm going to tell you, the basis of all relationship is communication. A man must speak to a woman, his wife and a wife must speak to her husband. And there must be, look at this, not just words, but a meeting of the heart. Your heart needs to connect with his heart and his heart must connect with our heart. No wonder God often describes his relationship with us, metaphorically speaking, as that between a husband and a wife. There's got to be communication. If there's no communication, I'm going to tell you right now, there's no relationship. And guys, you might think you got something cool happening there in your marriage, but your wife has got quite a different story. Now, so it is with our relationship with God. 
God wants us to communicate with him. The question is this, is how do we communicate? Well, you've heard me say this many, many times. This book is God's word. Every, look at every time you read this book, God speaks to you. This book, really, I, I, we should not call it the Bible. We should call it the God speaking to me book. Because that's what this is. God speaks to you every time you read that. Now, I know some of you say, well, Pastor Allen, I've read the book and I don't, I don't get anything out of it. Oh, you know why? I'll tell you why. Because you need the Holy Spirit of God to open your spiritual eyes and open your spiritual heart to hear and receive that truth. Now, that's God speaking to you. How do we speak to him? We call it prayer. Now, one of the things that I often find is when a husband and wife or a couple getting married come to talk to me, they, the, 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 the girl will say this, you know, I, uh, I try to talk to him, but he, he just says yes, no, or grunt. And then I'll say to the guy, is that true? And he goes, well, I don't know. I don't know. And he, he can't even talk to me. And he'll say, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to talk about. And that's the same thing with so, with so many people when it comes to prayer. I don't know what to say. I don't, know, I don't know how to handle this. So here's what I do for couples. I give the man a tool to help him in his communication with his wife. And I'll, it's the mad, glad, bad, sad. So I'll say to him, what makes you mad? And then, well, watch him take off. He's got lots to talk about when I ask him that question. And what makes you sad? Well, he doesn't really want to talk about that, but if I push him hard enough, he'll start sharing a little bit about what makes him sad. And what makes you, what makes you glad? And he'll start talking about, oh, man, I just love it when I go play golf and talk to my buddies. And then she looks up, what? You can talk? And he puts his hand over his mouth and, oops, he let it out. <laughs> he actually can talk. This is a simple tool. It's a tool to help a husband talk to his wife and for a wife to talk to her husband. Now listen to this. God also has provided for us a tool. It's not the mad, glad, sad, bad tool. It's another tool. It's called the Lord's Prayer. These disciples, they didn't know how to talk to God in prayer. And that's why they say, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, we know that it's talking to God, but what, do you, what exactly do you say? How do you come at this thing? And when you do pray, how do you do it? So some people have this notion that when you pray, you have to kneel down. I mean, Laura was kneeling down. Uh, and uh, I can tell you, if you're over 50, you probably don't want to kneel down because you may never get up again. But I'm going to tell you, I've never been able, well, not much anyways. I've never really been able to kneel to pray because here's what happens when I kneel down to pray. I just fall asleep. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm just... I know I'm a pastor, I know I'm ordained, I, I, but I'm telling you, get on my knees and I'm, I'm, I'm checking out. Oh, and by the way, did you know that God's voice sounded exactly like Mark's? That was really amazing. That was amazing. So I don't, I don't kneel to pray. What I do, folks, is I usually will sit up, and oftentimes I don't close my eyes, because, if, again, if I close my eyes, I'll fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, you too, you too. So you know what I do? I, I oftentimes will stand up, I'll put my hand in my pocket, and I'll just pace back and forth. And I'll try to pace in a place where there's nothing around so I don't trip on it or bang into it, walk in it, or break any more bones in my body. 
And I'll, I'll pray out loud. I got to hear my voice. I got I to actually say these words out loud. Wherever I am, I don't care if I'm with a group of people. If I'm praying, I have to actually hear my voice. I've got to utter it audibly. Because what happens then is I get distracted, very distracted. And I find myself starting to think about maybe a movie I watched last night or a book I'm reading or problems with people at the church or problems with the building or whatever. My mind drifts. Does anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So I pray out loud. And even if I'm in a restaurant and I just, I'm, you know, I'm studying, sometimes I like to get away from the office and just get alone in a, maybe a Starbucks with my, with my latte and in my books. And then I got to, I got to spend a bit of time at prayer there. So I'll just put my head, my hand like this. It looks like I'm reading, but I'm praying and I'll pray, dear Lord Jesus. Well, I don't have, I don't have a microphone when I do this. <laughs> and I'll just go on to, to tell God what's on my heart. I do this, folks, because God wants us to have relationship with him. Now, the Lord's Prayer, like I said, is an outline. And I want you to know this. When it comes to praying, you you should never be legalistic about how you do it. Does that make sense? Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I I just start to pray because I can't go to sleep. And I just start telling the Lord about all the things and all the people that come to my mind. And you'd be amazed at how many of you come to my mind in the middle of the night. God is, getting, God is stirring me to pray for you. Now, I'll be honest with you. Once in a while, I'll get down and pray on my knees. Uh, but most of the time, I'm, I'm just, I'll just be laying there and just praying for you by name. God wants us to talk to him. He wants us to pour out our hearts. He, he wants us to understand that relationship with him is what it's all about. So, in answer to this question, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 9. And I've included both the New International Version and also the New Living Translation, because you're familiar with with the first uh, verse. But it's the same verse, but just different versions. And in the NIV, it goes like this. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. In the NLT, it goes like this. Pray like this, Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So this begins the first of six petitions that you and I need to pray every single day. The Lord's Prayer, folks, is not just something that you recite religiously. If you're from a Roman Catholic background or maybe from a Lutheran or some of the old denominational backgrounds, then you know that part of so many services that you attend is the recitation of the Lord's Prayer. How many know what I'm talking about? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day, day, and we rush through it. We have no idea what we're saying. Can I just tell you something right now? The Lord's Prayer is not a magical incantation. Everybody knows that? These are, not real, these are not magical words. You just wave your magic wand, say that prayer, and magically things happen. No, this is an outline that helps us to pray properly. So let's, let's take a look at this for a moment. Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. The historical understanding, listen to the historical understanding of God in every culture throughout history is that God is both impersonal and unknowable. And we see this uh, in so many of the, of the mythologies of different cultures throughout the millennia. 
I mean, Gloria and I were in Greece for four and a half years, and we learned you know, quite a bit about Greek culture and particularly Greek mythology. If you ever try to understand the Greek gods, if you, if, if you ever try to understand that, I'm telling you, you'll go mad. You'll go crazy because none of it makes any sense. It's, it's this God's eating that God and giving birth to a boy who becomes the wife of his wife who then kill, who chops off his head and eats it. It's like weird, crazy stuff. And so no wonder people think, you know, God just is, he just is impersonal, impersonal and unknowable. There's no way I can get close to him. Even the Jews, even the Jews, when it came to addressing God, even they would not even say his name. In Judaism, the most important name of God is the Tetragrammaton, which is H, uh, in, Hebrew, uh, in Latin, it's H, or Y-H-V-H. And for so many years, the Jews did not recite the name of God that to this day now, we don't know how to say the name in, in the Hebrew language. We don't know how to say God's name. But here's what most Bible scholars think. They think it's pronounced Yahweh. There's no Jewish person who will ever say the name of God. They'll never recite, they'll never say Yahweh. If they're reading it, what they'll say rather is Adonai. They will not repeat the name because it's too holy to repeat. Interesting. Now, Jesus comes along. He's a Jewish man, a Jewish teacher, in a Jewish culture. He comes along and he introduces a brand new name for God. He introduces the name Father. Now, in case anybody wants to know what the Christian name for God is, it's this, Father. Did you know that? That is the Christian name for God. As Christians, then, you and I are called to address God as Father, not as Jehovah, not as any other name. We address him as Father. And here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that people who understand that he is Father, they're the ones that really understand what it means to have relationship with God. J.I. Packer, one of the great, uh, he's a great um, Puritan scholar, he says this. He says that if a person does not understand that God is their Father, if they don't understand their relationship to God as Father, that they probably have not yet been converted to Christianity. They probably don't get it. For them, Christianity is just a religion that they can't get their, their brains around. But for those of us who put our faith in Christ and understand that God is Father, it's a, it's a game changer. Because now you understand how God wants to interact in your life and in mine. Now, some would say, well, Pastor Allen, the, the Jewish people still thought of God as Father. Yes, they did, but only metaphorically. In other words, they would say God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and so therefore God is the father of everything. But Jesus comes along and introduces God, not just as the metaphorical father, but as the metaphysical father. He's the father of us all, spiritually speaking, not just the creator of us. Now, this is a game changer, and I'll tell you why. Because now the God who has been distant the God who has not been approachable, the God who is impersonable and personal and unknowable, suddenly is knowable. We can know him. We can have relationship with him. We personally, I personally, Alan Duncalf can personally have a personal relationship with God. And I'm going to tell you folks, there's a lot of people that can't get their brains around this. 
There's a lot of people from Christian traditions that can't get their brain around the idea of a personal God. But if you're born again, if Jesus has saved you, then you understand that you belong to the Father, and the Father belongs to you. Here's the biggest obstacle that faces every one of us. Is that, and I think everybody can relate to this. The obstacle that we all face is, is, is that we have a hard time understanding and embracing that God is personal. And do you know why? Because we fail and we think that we uh, are not measuring up and we think that somehow, you know, God like Shakespeare's Shylock, we've got to somehow give him, you know, our, the pound of flesh. We've got to somehow mollify him. We've got to somehow satisfy him. We've got to somehow, you know, shed blood in order to make him happy. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, God wants you to know that he understands your weakness. He understands your failing. He knows how often you fall short. Can I make a declaration to anybody? I hope nobody walks out on me now. But here's a confession. Are you ready? Alan Duncalf. Alan Duncalf, your pastor, fails over and over and over again. I fall short. Would anybody say, Pastor Alan, you're not the only one? Just three of us, four. Oh, there's more. Oh, hallelujah, I'm not the only one. But here's what happens. Listen, because you fall short and because you don't understand that God is a loving father, because you fall short, what happens now is you're afraid to go to him because you messed up. I messed up. I've screwed up. I'm a loser. Therefore, God will not embrace me. God will reject me. God will push me away. You know, has anybody ever been to my office? You know I've got a lot of books in there, and I've read a lot of them. I've been to Bible school. I've read a lot of books. But listen to this. Nothing has helped me understand who God is more than becoming a father myself. I've got three kids who have taught me what God is like. You say, well, Pastor, how, is, how could that be? I'll tell you why. Because my kids also mess up and make mistakes. In fact, they've been doing it all their lives. From the day they were born, they've been little hopeless. No, not hopeless. They've been <laughs> little screw-ups, boy. They make, they're making mistakes all the time. Now, here's, here's the thing. And you've, heard, you've, you've all heard me say this before. There's nothing that my kids could do that would make me stop loving them. Does that make sense? And when you begin to understand that that's who your Father in Heaven is all about, what He's all about, if you understand that that's who God is, it's a game changer. Because here's what I know all of us do when we sin. We tend to run away from God. We tend to, we, we tend to hide from God. You know, I've let God down. I've got to go hide. I've got to go clean myself up. You heard me talking about this last week. How many people I'll say, why don't you come to church and say, Pastor, first of all, I got to get rid of my, my, uh, you know, I, I, Pastor, I, to- I, I, I smoke up. I, 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 I love pot. I just, I, I don't know how I could ever, I could ever come to church and still hold on to my pot. And here's what I say, come. I don't care if you're a pot smoker. I, could, I don't care if you smoke, drink. I don't care what you're doing. I want you to come here and I want you to meet my, my loving Heavenly Father. And here's what you're going to discover about our loving Heavenly Father. Is that if you 
would take a step towards him and accept him as your, as your God, my Heavenly Father will embrace you and love you and teach you and help you. You don't have to clean your life up. My Father in Heaven will clean it up for you. How many people refuse to come to church because they say, I'm not good enough? Have you heard that? Listen, how many Christians who've been in the church all their life are afraid to go to the presence of Almighty God because they're saying, I'm not good enough? But God comes along and he introduces himself to us through Jesus as a father, as a loving Heavenly Father. God wants you to know today that he desires a personal relationship with you. You say, but Pastor, couldn't I mean, I'm not good enough. Yeah, you're the one that he wants to have a relationship with. He wants to be involved in your life. He wants to help you out. What's your crisis today, by the way? Are you here with a crisis? You're here with something that nags at you. You go to bed at night, you wake up in the middle of the night, and that thing is nagging at you, and you just can't rest, and you're, you're anxious, and you're uptight, and you can't concentrate because that thing is bothering you. Maybe, you know, maybe it's your employment situation. Maybe it's your, your wife or your husband or your kids or your job, whatever. God the Father is saying to you today, I want to help you with that thing, with that crisis that you're going through, that struggle, that problem. God the Father says, I want to help you through it. You don't have to go through that alone. He cares for you. When I was a little boy, I used to go to my grandma's house, Grandma Duncalf, and she had a little plaque on her wall. Uh, she was certainly uh, no interior decorator. She had scripture verses <laughs> on plaques all over the walls of her house. But there's one that I really remember. When you come in the front door, she had it right there, and this is what it said. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The scripture verse from Second Peter. Casting all your care upon him, he careth for you. And every single time I come to visit Grandma, I would see that verse. And I read that verse for many, many, many years. And here's what I discovered even before I had actually become a Christian. I discovered that God cares about Alan Duncalf. My grandmother didn't know it, but by her little plaques on the wall, she was ministering to me and teaching me who God the Father really is. You're here today, and you're going through a hard time. You're going through a struggle. What you need to know today is that the, the Father in heaven loves you and wants to help you with whatever it is that you're going through. You say, but Pastor Allen, I got myself into this mess. And so how could I possibly ask God to get me out of this mess that I created? Folks, God is a master at this. Most of the problems that you and I get ourselves into, we've created ourselves. Would anybody say amen to that? You know what I'm talking about. When Nicholas was little, some of you have heard me say this, uh, he was really troubled and stressed out about something and, and uh, really disturbed, really bothered and you know, I wanted to tell him that he didn't have anything to worry about. He was taking the troubles of the world upon his shoulders. He felt that, you know, it was his, you know, it was his responsibility to solve all, you know, bring world peace and that sort of thing. He was just, I don't know why, at that young age, he just felt so overburdened. So I thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to just remind him that I'm his father, and it's my job to take care of him. It's my job to care for him. So I, I scooped him up and looked him in the eyes, and I said, Nicholas, do you know who I am? And I'm expecting him to say, yeah, you're my dad. 
But instead he said, you're Pastor Alan. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew I had a problem on my hands. You see, what I wanted him to know, (laughs) what I wanted him to understand, that as his father, it's my responsibility to help him with his problems, his stress, his struggles. Folks, that's who God the Father is. He's in the business of helping you with your cares, no matter what they are. So here's why you and I need to start every prayer with these words, our Father. Our Father in heaven. Because what you need to do is you need to get yourself focused on God before you start focusing on yourself. Here's what most of us do when we're in trouble. Oh God, I'm in trouble, please help me. Get me out of this trouble, I need money. These people are going to... And you, you're, you're just reciting all your problems, and you're focusing not on God, you're focusing on yourself. So here's what I know, is that when you're focusing on yourself, you've got no faith, you've got no peace. In fact, every time you start focusing on yourself, you become more and more troubled and more and more anxious. But God wants you to focus on him. The God who says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. When you pray, you focus on the Father first, not on your problems. I know it's, it's difficult because that's so, it's so heavy on our minds and we can't think of anything else, but God says, you need to put your problems aside now and focus on me. Focus. Focus on me. That's what God's saying. Focus. And you begin to focus on him and suddenly you discover something about who God is. Genesis 18, verse 14, Abraham is troubled, stressed out. He said to, saying to God, God, you said you're going to give me this new land. You, you said I was going to be the father of many nations. Look at my wife. She's an old lady now. How on earth is my old lady, or me, pardon me, my wife, how is my wife going to bear children? She's past, she's 99. It's impossible. She can't have kids now. And where's this promise line you told me I was going to get? And all these promises, God, and where are they all? And here's what God says to Abraham. Is anything too hard for the Lord? You think of your struggles right now. Hear the voice of God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And Abraham now is properly chastised by God and is reminded that God is sovereign and in charge and you know what happens. Nothing is too hard for the Lord and Abraham's old lady had a baby and his name is Isaac. Now you think about that for a moment because I know today you're thinking the problems you're facing, the struggles, the heartaches, whatever you're facing right now, it's impossible and God's saying, no, it's not because you don't know who I am. And so Jesus teaches us to pray first, our Father. Jeremiah, verse 32, chapter 32, verse 17. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by, the, by your strong hand and your powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So when you get into prayer, we get into the presence of God, and you address him as your Father in heaven, what you're reminding yourself of is this. Nothing is too difficult for God. And this is what I wanted Nicholas to understand. Nicholas, nothing is too difficult for your dad. I can handle this. 
And God's saying the same thing to you today. And again, Jeremiah says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? And Jesus says to the disciples in Luke chapter 18, verse 27, what is impossible for people is possible with God. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today because here's what I know for sure. Whatever you're going through, whatever problem, whatever difficulty, whatever struggle, whatever heartache, whatever pain, whatever suffering, whatever fear you have, whatever you're anxious about, God is equal to your problem. In fact, He's greater than your problem and He can help you with whatever it is that you're struggling with today. And therefore we pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so when you begin your praying every day, you're going to address God. But listen, would you please stop calling him God? Start calling him Father. You need to remind yourself that you are his child, his son, his daughter. So you're going to address him as Father. You need to begin to remind yourself that the great God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is also your Father. And he knows you by name. In fact, Jesus reminds us that he knows how many hairs you got on your head. For some of you, that's not too difficult, but. And it won't be long before it won't be difficult to know how many are on my head, but God knows. He knows everything. And you're stressed out and you're worried and you're concerned. And God's saying, Hey, I'm your father. I love you. I'm in charge. And you go before God and you remind him that you're his son and he's your father and God's there to help you through whatever it is that you're facing. Wow. By the way, you'll notice it says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Because some people get confused. They think that because he's our father and because we can call him Abba or Daddy is what Abba means, Abba Father, we think that we can be flippant about this relationship. And how many times I've heard people say you refer to God as the man upstairs or the big guy in the sky and that kind of nonsense. Please don't do that. May your name be kept holy. Remember, there's a reverence that goes with this name, this holy name, Father. And can I remind you one more thing? One of the things that I love to do as a father is I love to take good care of my kids, provide for them, meet their needs, and I like to help them in every and any way I can. Because that's what I think a good father does. A good father wants to care for his children. And sometimes in the morning when I'm driving Sarah to school and she gets out of the car, she'll say, Dad, thanks for giving me a ride. She doesn't need to do that because I'm going to do it anyway. But she gets out of the car and she says, Dad, Thanks. So guess what? When she says thanks to me as the last words as she's closing the door, it makes me want to be there at 3.30 to pick her up to bring her home. Because what she said to me is that she acknowledges, she appreciates, she loves me and loves what I'm doing for her. And you want to know something? This is what you and I need to do. We need to express our gratitude and our thanks to God because it brings pleasure to the heart of God. You say, Pastor Allen, I didn't know that. Yeah. And do you know that in Malachi chapter 3, and we haven't got time to go into it, Malachi chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, the Bible says that God has got an angel keeping a record of his people who rejoice and give thanks for what a great and marvelous God we have. It matters to God. 
And I can tell you this, when my kids give thanks to me, man, it makes me want to do more for them. If my kids say thanks, Dad, for whatever, I mean, I want to do more. I want to bless them more. I want to, I want to just be so good to them. And so it is with our Father in heaven. When you express your gratitude to God, I'm going to tell you this, it will boost your faith. It'll boost your relationship with God. It'll give you faith to believe that God will provide for you and God will delight in meeting all your needs. But folks, before you start talking about what you need, because that's what we do, first thing out of our mouth, I want this, I want that. Here's my shopping list, God. This is what I need you to do for me. God says, look it. Put the, put the shopping list away. And let's remember that I'm your father and you're my child. Can we enjoy relationship with one another? That's what I love about my relationship with my kids. We love to be together. How'd you feel as a mother or father every time you sat down with your kid, your kid said, oh, can I get a new Xbox? Can I get a new car? Can I get a new... TV, can I get a new, and on and on it goes? No. Our God is a loving Father who wants to have a relationship with us. And I'm going to tell you this, is once you've established that relationship with Almighty God, He will delight in caring for you and meeting all your needs. Let's stand together and pray. Father in heaven, our beloved Father, as your children right now, we, we stand for a moment in your presence and we want to say thank you. Thank you for loving us so much. Oh God, we have got so many issues, so many needs, so many problems, so many crises, so many things that are, are disturbing us. But God, we confess to you that so often we just come to you with our shopping list of needs and we forget that you first of all want relationship with us. Help us to understand today, God, that it's in that relationship with you that all our needs are met. Forgive us, God, for being self-centered. And help us, Lord, to make that correction in our life where we get our eyes focused on you and allow you, God, Father, to work in us, to help us to become the people you want us to be. And Lord, as we go from this place, getting refocused and praying the Lord's Prayer once again, we pray, Lord, that we would experience the joy and the delight that comes from a relationship with God. We pray that in your name. And everyone said it? Tell the person beside you, God loves you.